what are you know what are currently the you know the more most popular options? One of the things we do when we look at the volumes in the options, we kind of try to understand what are the traders doing out there, what are the investors doing now out there, where are they concentrating on it. You're listening to IBKR Podcasts. Find more conversations at ibkrpodcasts.com. The following podcast contains options-related material. Prior to listening to today's podcast, all listeners should read and familiarize themselves with the characteristics and risks of standardized options, or ODD, which may be accessed through the link found in the show's notes or podcast description page. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to IBKR Podcasts. I'm your host, Jeff Praisman, Interactive Broker, Senior Trading Education Specialist. It's my pleasure to welcome back the co-founders of Market Chameleon, Will McBride and Dimitri Pogamatic. Hey, guys. How hey, are you? Pretty good. How's it going, hey, Jeff? Jeff? Thanks for having us, buddy. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's great to have both of you guys back in the studio. Uh, you guys have a long history with Interactive Brokers. I'm excited now that clients can subscribe to Market Chameleon directly through Interactive Brokers. Yep, that's right. We're, we started our integration with Interactive Brokers. Part of the first step was to allow Interactive Brokers customers to subscribe directly from Interactive Brokers to Market Chameleon. This way, you don't need a credit card. You get an extra third, 30 days free trial. It makes it much simpler. It's connected right to your, your account. And the idea there is that eventually we'll create a way to link your account to market chameleon and then it should be seamless as far as your senior positions and risks within market chameleon that's gonna be great and today we're gonna to actually discuss a, a topic that's near and dear to all of our hearts uh trends and option volumes yep and so you know i kind of start off and you know and what are you know what are currently the you know the more most popular options yeah. And one of the things we do when we look at the volumes in the options, we kind of try to understand what are the traders doing out there? What are the investors doing now out there? Where are they concentrating on? And of course, some of the most popular options happen to be the most popular stocks you hear in the news, such as Tesla, SPY, QQQ, Meta. All those always usually are the top 10 busiest volumes as far as options go. And there's a really big concentration of volume in those top 10. And just to give you an example, there are currently 5,913 equities that have listed options. But the top 10 alone make up 50% of the volume in the option space. So very concentrated on those popular names. And if we go down a little bit further and take the top 100 stocks, then we're talking about 80% of all the options volume. When you say volume, you know, there's, there's, there's really two types, right? There's the, the notion of the dollar volume, and then there's also the contract volume. So for example, if a contract's worth 10 cents, you have to buy 10 of them to equal one that's worth a dollar to equal the same notional volume. And, you know, in what does each one show, you know, if someone's looking at options, you know, why would they look at notional? Why would they look at contract? You know, 
obviously, why would they look at both to sort of get the full picture? Yeah, there are two different ways um, people look at the options volume. One is just to take the raw volume, the number of contracts that traded. And of course, within that, you know, you're going to get options that are going to vary in the, tr the dollar amount. You know, some are very low, some are, could be very high. So the next step is that people look also in comparison to the dollar volume in the trades. And that kind of gives you an indication how much actual flow in dollar value is going into the options market. Um, and that would be the difference, like you explained, where you know you could have an option that is 10 cents that traded, you know, 10, 10 contracts, and then you could have an option that's a hundred dollars and traded 10 contracts. But in dollar terms, it's a big difference. And you'll have two types of traders, one that can afford to trade 10 contracts for 10 cents, and another type of trader will not potentially be able to afford to trade 10 contracts, $100 per contract. And that's why we take a look at um, volume from two perspectives, the total volume, and then converting that volume to dollar notional. So it's it's really, really just to make sure that you're looking at apples to apples. In other words, um, you know, 100 contracts of a $10 option versus 100 contracts of a $100 option contract are very different things. Exactly. Very different things. And, you know, also I'd actually, you know, put into like, I would say another factor would be, you know, the trade count, right? Like how, how does that factor into statistics? Yeah. And the, the next thing we break down the volume is the number of trades it took. And you could have volume that is one trade but a thousand contracts or you could have a thousand contracts and 1000 different trades of course one trade a thousand contracts could be a big institution that traded one time but if you have lots of different trades that's an indicator that there could potentially be a lot of interest from different players and that's kind of the sense you're trying to get is it just this one-time big trade somebody put on a position, a hedge, a speculative position, or are we seeing interest from lots of different traders coming into um, an option? And, you know, so, you know, just to kind of recap right now for the listeners, you guys, when, you, when you're looking at the volume, you're first looking at maybe the contract volume and then breaking it down to the dollar notional volume. And then also the trade count. So all these are important statistics that go into you know, you're painting a picture of the option trend. But then, of course, as anyone familiar with the options knows, there's also different expirations covering different time frames, and then also other factors as well. So what what are some of the you know telling facts as far as like if you're looking at expirations or trends where you know you're you're seeing throughout different expirations? What we're seeing is that more and more of the volume is gravitating to the shorter term options. Really, when you look at the options that expire within five days, they're seeing about five, 50%, I'm sorry, about 50% of all the options volume. And as you get closer to zero days to expiration, an option that expires at the end of the day, you even see 
a bigger concentration of volume within those five days. And that is, you know, showing up of traders are looking for options that have a lot of gamma and high theta. And, you know, an option decays. So when an option decays, it doesn't decay linearly. You know, if you have an option with 10 days to go, it's a dollar. It doesn't decay 10 cents a day. It'll de decay slower in, and as you get closer to expiration, that decay will accelerate. And of course, the last day, the entire thing will decay. So option sellers are looking for options with the high theta that decays really quickly. And then option buyers are looking for options that have a lot of gamma because as the option gets closer to expiration, the delta, it starts moving almost in lockstep with the stock as it's in the money. Of course, if it goes out of the money, you know, it expires worthless. And that's the trend that we're seeing that more people are starting to gravitate to the zero DTE or options that expire same day. Just for our listeners that may be a little bit unfamiliar with, with options in the Greek terms, you know, theta is relating to time decay and gamma is relating to change in, in delta. So just so just, just kind of giving our listeners that may be more new to options um, a little bit of background. Right. They that's what the that's what the trend is. They want options with very high sensitivities, sensitivities to decay, sensitivities to the movement in the stock price. So then, you know, kind of given that, like, as far as in taking a step back as well, like the fact that they do offer daily options now in, in several big ETFs and weekly right. options in, I don't know how many symbols, but the majority of symbols, I mean, you know, 15 years ago, there were, you know, 12 expirations a year for equity options. And now for some of these ones, there's uh, 252 expirations, I guess you could say. Right. So you know, do you think kind of the chicken before the egg or the egg before the chicken, what has, you know, has creating these multiple expirations in your, in your opinion, drawn more people into option trading or have the fact that as people more people or option volume increases, exchanges have increased the expirations to kind of cater to and satisfy the crowd of traders. Yeah, definitely. I think that the exchanges are reacting to the customer's demands and where they're seeing the demand, they're starting to create products around there. Um, that's why they've been creating more strikes. You know, at one point we only saw strikes that were $5 apart. Now we have dollar dollar strikes, half dollar strikes. And now they're creating more shorter dated options. The one thing I think the SIBO is starting to do is expand options trading in the indexes to potentially go 24 seven. So in the SPX, we see trading in the options um, in the pre-market and after hours. And one of the reasons you could do it in the indexes is because those options can get hedged with the futures. Um, the, the stock options, it'll be a little bit harder because they, they stop trading um, after 4.30. You do have after hours trading, but they're liquid. Um, but the first step is in the indexes, we do see the CBOE um, offering extended hours trading in the options. 
Um, that's the other demand that we're seeing, but definitely the shorter dated options are very popular. And I think that they also became popular as more small retail traders um, started to trade with Robinhood. They brought in a lot of new retail customers. They created new accounts and got people introduced to options. And we do see that about 20% of the options volume right now are coming from what we would designate as small retail traders um, with not a lot of, you know, not, not a big bank account. I would say maybe they're, you know, small, smaller bank account, maybe just starting to learn what an option is, not a very sophisticated trade, you know, much more speculative. And we're seeing about 20% of that coming from small retail, but the retail space alone, I think makes up almost by our estimate, 50% of the options volume. And that's a lot, it's a lot of retail, retail um, trades coming in into the options market. And that retail looks like they mostly trade in the short, short term options. And I mean, it's, it's interesting that you, you, know, you, you talk about these smaller retail investors and, you know, judging by the names of the more popular options that you talked about in the beginning of this podcast, they really are all household names. Right. You know, there, there, there wasn't any, you know, company in there or index that most people haven't heard of. You, know, you mentioned Tesla and, and Meta, and these are all Google, like all, these are all companies, Apple, that we regular people use every day, or at least are, you know, know right. exist. What are, you know, obviously household names is it is seems to be a big part of option yeah. volume trends, but what other, what other items can factor into either an increase in a spike in volume or a decrease in volume, even if it's only for a single day or a single time period? Like, obviously you have your popular companies, but there's times where a company that maybe no one's heard of or, or isn't, isn't as popular spikes up there and becomes a top 10 or top 20 option, you know, trend for the day or for the week or for a month or whatever. Yeah. You, and you will see that certain stocks, they will spike in volume and it could be based on news that came out recently. And that news can drive traders to come in and use the options to either hedge, hedge their positions or use the options to have a certain outlook on a stock. Earnings are big and earnings, you usually see volume picking up probably a couple days prior to the earnings event. And there's a certain strategy that people use options for to play earnings. Earnings is a binary event. They come in, they know that they know the event is coming up. So the date is known. It's also known that the that when a company releases earnings, that is information that's used by the market and the stock will usually make a big move reflecting you know the new news. So people do play earnings using options. And there are different strategies that you could use around earnings. And that's a that's actually very popular. 
around earnings to use to use options and different strategies. Biotech companies also, when you see some something in a biotech PDFA, when they start um, you know releasing information or waiting on on a on a ruling, people will go in and use the options to play that volatility. So certain things like that, we do we do see a pickup in volume. But that volume usually will disappear after the event, and then that that volume will drop off, and it's only playing you know that specific event. From day to day, though, you're right; it's usually the top ten. And what's interesting is that Tesla right now has is the number one on our list of the most you know most active options. And if you look down below Tesla, you got SPY. And if I just if we just compare the notional dollar value of the options going into Tesla versus SPY, you got Tesla just today, you could see $1.7 billion worth of options traded. SPY, which represents an ETF of the entire market, the next busiest is $850 million worth of options traded. A big gap between the one and two. Even going down to the next one, the third one down, QQQ, that's $356 million worth of options. So you could kind of see going from, you know, the number one down the list, it drops, starts to drop off significantly as you go, as you're going down the list. Very big concentration of trades in a very few products. That's what so far we see. Now, is is there a way to tell, you know, through statistics, you had mentioned, you know, especially talking about the retail investor, that a lot of it's probably speculative where they're doing these short-term yep. options. What about like, you know, obviously options are a powerful tool as well for hedging an existing yes. position. Is there any way to tell from the, you know, strategies being traded or if, you know, say the overwhelming volumes to puts that they might be hedging a position, or is it sort of more you sort of have to really just take a lot of data points and make an educated guess at the end of the day about what you think right. the trend is? Um, what we see is it would be it would be hard to tell what the actual intent is of every trade if it's if it's hedging a position or if it's taking a certain outlook in the market. That it would be very difficult to tell because we wouldn't have enough information. One encouraging sign we do see is that there is growth in the multi-leg strategies and such as call spreads, put spreads, time spreads. That's encouraging because when you start spreading off options, you're you're also what you're doing is decreasing some of your risk in the in the option trade. You know, you're 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 gonna spread off some of your delta risk, some of your vega risk. And when you're doing that, it actually decreases your risk. And if you apply it the right way, you could get your probabilities a little bit more favorable than just doing a single leg option. Because when you're doing a single leg option, you're assuming all the risk that that one option has, the delta, the vega risk, the theta risk, the gamma risk. But by doing multi-leg trades, you're going to reduce some of that risk and actually improve your odds. And that's what options really, if you if you take a look at options, advantage of and most powerful 
thing about options is being able to trade option one option against another option, right? That's where you kind of start finding um, opportunities when you could spread off one option versus another option. That's encouraging, but a lot of people, when they first come in there, they just take strictly a bet, I think, on direction using an option, and they're assuming all that other risk, time risk, Vega risk, and so forth. And a lot of times they are using those options inefficiently to try to bet on a certain direction. So so really, when, when looking at option trends, it, it's safe to say, as you see multi-leg strategies increase, it's a sign that either you know more institution new institutional traders are involved in the market or professionals or that even retail traders are becoming more sophisticated and more educated as far as trading a strategy that will will give them a, a better probability of a better outcome versus just throwing a dart at the board and saying i'm going to buy some tesla calls because I like that's the right. company. I think the company is going to go up in the next five days. Exactly. That's right. When you when when you start seeing uh, the the traders educating themselves more and figuring out how to use spreads, they usually don't go in the other way. They don't go back to single leg options. They'll stick to that and build on top of that because that is really value that you get. From the options and you're not taking advantage of it and it involves a little bit more education but if they're willing to do the work and they're willing to understand you know the different strategies and you could start out with just a simple spread right a sim you don't need to go to four legs right away or, or three legs or ratio spreads but we always say just if you could start out with a single spread a call spread or a put spread and learn from there you know, then you're on your way to, I think, doing much better and becoming more successful than if you just stick to something that's simple. And when something is simple, doesn't necessarily mean if it's something simple to understand, doesn't mean it's the best thing, right? It's just simple to understand. And a lot of times when people just figure that out, what is a call? They don't want to move to the next step because even that was hard to understand, right? <laughs> what is a call? option or what is a put option they figured it out they want to stick with that but really you got to move your education a little bit further to improve your odds and we find that those that don't do that usually you know don't either see failures pretty quickly or eventually you know they'll they'll start to learn there's a better way to do it uh, but that yeah and I'll say, and by definition, you know, really putting on a spread is gonna is gonna limit your risk to some, but exactly. it's gonna offset some risk for you for the investor, um, yeah. Versus just doing a single leg option. Exactly. When you you know when you continue to look at the yeah. option volume trends, you know clearly on any given day we talked about sort of obviously the usual household names. And then the event-driven um, reason for volume, such as news or earnings. What do you look at as far as knowing, you know, because Tesla could be at the top of the the list every day, right? For, but clearly, you know, today you mentioned it has 170 billion or or, or whatever it was, and you know, tomorrow could be three billion. So, what what do you look at as far as comparing how even those top ten? 
or whatever place the option is in compares to what it was in the past or in the yeah we we try to keep track of the rankings in the in the volume and the trends and we see what's climbing for for example coinbase right now is climbing especially with everything going on in the crypto and what's happening with the other crypto exchanges coinbase is it has been has been climbing in the rankings sometimes you see a few stocks that will make the news and they'll climb and they'll stay there for maybe a week or two and then you'll start seeing that volume disappearing but we try to keep track overall what is going up and and why is it going up you know if it's going up because of earnings will it works we've already expected that and they'll come back down um but what's going up why are, and why would people gravitate to that stock so like right now with interest rates we do see that some of these bond etfs the volumes are are ticking up there people are paying attention trying to figure out where interest rates may go based on inflation measures where the fed may uh, take interest rates going forward and we're seeing a little bit of uptick in some of the semiconductor space you know there are news there and we're you know what's going on in china what's going on with legislation we have seen an uptick there some of the things when we when we check for example you're you're asking about hedging you know are people using it to hedge are people using the options to speculate you could also compare the volume from the previous day to the open interest and how much of that volume converts to an increase or decrease in open interest and what we're seeing is that there's a very high turnover or i guess how how would you say it when there's there's it's probably a low turnover of volume that actually translates to an increase or decrease in open interest so there's a lot of volume but the open interest doesn't always change that much and what that's telling us is that people even intraday are just rotating in and out of positions and what we see a big spy trade happening is people start trading the at the monies and as the stock is moving they'll rotate out of that at the money to the new at the money and so forth so you see a lot of people either trying to trade the options as a way to collect the premiums betting that the stock will stay close to that to that strike um, as it moves we see it, them rotating to the next strike but usually you know i'll give you an example i'll take a look at yesterday's spy and i'll give you some examples here we see you know i'm picking a strike that's near term uh has you know two days to go and that will cover the fed meeting today and we see volume of like say on the 410 call 23,000 contracts traded but the open interest only changed by 3,900. it's telling me you know that there aren't positions that are getting placed and they're committed to it with the follow-through they're placing those bets and then moving those bets as the stock is moving away either to another strike oh, to another strike or to another day, expiration but that but the open interest does not grow 
in proportion to the heavy volume that we're seeing. So only a small percentage of the volume gets converted to uh, increase in open interest, which is letting, indicating that people who are using those options are not committed to holding on to that option. So I would I would assume that you know maybe the when people are buying longer term yeah. options is more when they're committed to holding on to it because they're not paying the the trading fee each time they're rolling it they're right. maybe buying a three month out option or a leap um, for the end of the year where they they have a long term either thought on hedging maybe they have a, a position they want to hedge one side or the other or they have a long term belief right. in the stock and they can get leverage by buying an yep, option position exactly and that is further also out. one of the differences we see between the smaller retail traders and the larger ones the larger ones will start going out a little bit further more often than the than the smaller even though everybody kind of gravitates to those uh short-term options but when you go out to the longer term options then that distribution you know weighs more heavily on the bigger traders willing to commit to a position and Really, you know, when we look at the very short term, I think that there's a little bit of a disadvantage to retail traders because in the very short term, there are tools out there and services that could give you a slight edge of where the market may be going, you know, and it obviously it costs a lot of money to get those services, but you could get plugged into certain news events that are coming out the limit order book, the order flow, the things that they're seeing in a very short term, there's a bigger advantage to professionals and a disadvantage to the retail customers. But as you go out further in time, that advantage dissipates. It gets, it gets smaller and smaller because as you go out further in time, nobody really knows what's going to happen You know, a month, two months, three months out from now. It's much harder to uh, price out uncertainty as you go out further in time. And I and I want to, um, I kind of want to wrap up the discussion with one last question. And, and it sort of, I think, circles back on a few of the points that, that we, we discussed. How does volume correlate to quote width? And the conclusions I'm drawing just from our discussion, correct me if I'm off base here, but essentially, if something is trading because it's a household name, it's popular, and there's no real news event, but it's like SPY or it's Tesla. I would assume that a higher volume, it's a more liquid option, and the quote with is probably tighter versus possibly with a news event or you know whether it's a earnings release, whether it's a biotech FDA report that's about to come out saying that it's passed you know, phase four of the test or it's failed. I would almost think that that could inversely affect the quote with and make it wider because there's so much uncertainty and people are trading these options for very different reasons between household names and event-driven yeah. events. Yeah, definitely. You know, when we, the more volume you see in the stock, the more those bid-ask spreads shrink. And that's because that's part of the discover, the price discovery process. As you get more people trading and narrowing the bid-ask spread, um, and there's a meeting of the minds, it's much easier to kind of price where where people think the options, uh, you know, should be priced. Of course, some of these stocks that have zero volume in them, 
there's no price discovery. It's probably a market maker or a specialist. There's one model, you know, that that they're running. There's uncertain. There's always uncertainty in the model, and you'll see a big uh, bid ask spread until more people get involved. But definitely, the more volume something has, the the more the bid ask spread starts to shrink. The more the bid ask spread shrinks, the more people get involved, right? Because people people actually scan for that and some people do not want to trade anything with a bit big bid ask spread because the fee to trade is very expensive well willem dimitri i want to thank you very much for stopping by ipkr podcasts a reminder to our listeners that all podcasts can be found on our website under the education tab or on spotify apple music amazon music podbean google podcasts and audible also, um, you know, Mark Chameleon is a frequent contributor at our, at our webinars. And uh, webinars can be found at ibkrwebinars.com. Select our contributors and click on Market Chameleon for all their past uh, webinars. And also, Market Chameleon hosts a daily morning show on YouTube as well. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you guys very Thanks much. For Thank you, Jeff. Uh, Great job, Dee. Until next time, I'm Jeff Price with Interactive Brokers. Thanks for listening to IBKR Podcasts. As always, we have more episodes at ibkrpodcasts.com. And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education material, such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, financial and economic commentary at tradersinsight.news, market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry, or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments, those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and is necessary, seek professional advice. Options involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. For more information, read the characteristics and risks of standardized options, or ODD, which may be accessed through the link found in the show's notes or podcast description page. Multiple like strategies, including spreads, will incur multiple transaction costs. Any discussion or mention of an ETF is not to be construed as recommendation, promotion, or solicitation. All investors should review and consider associated investment risks, charges, and expenses of the investment company or fund prior to investing. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, as necessary, seek professional advice. Futures are not suitable for all investors. The amount you may lose may be greater than your initial investment. Before trading futures, please read the CFTC Risk Disclosure. A copy and additional information are available at ibkr.com. Trading in digital assets, including cryptocurrencies, is especially risky and is only for individuals with a high risk tolerance and the financial ability to sustain losses. Eligibility to trade in digital asset products may vary based on jurisdiction. The interviewee's employer or associated organization has a business relationship as a client with interactive brokers. Trading on margin is only for sophisticated investors with high risk tolerance. You may lose more than your initial investment. For additional information regarding margin loan rates, see ibkr.com forward slash interest.